0: Amen. Come on and tell the Lord, have your way in this place. Amen. Listen, I Amen. am excited about this. So we're talking about managing disappointment part three. How many of you have been blessed by the first two teachings? And then, and then first three, really, because well, you one of them was staying, the one,
1: staying, well, staying in faith in times of disappointment. It's part of our series. We did managing disappointment. We talked about staying in faith when disappointment happens. And then we talked about managing disappointment part two. And today will be part three of which is the fourth message in this series.
0: But it yeah. is so important that we do not let go of our faith in disappointment. Now, what I want you to know is if you've been watching as we start and Pastor Ellen jumps in to where we are, I want you to put in the comments what has been one of your big takeaways from the teaching so far. <laughs> Because it's not just enough to hear. We want to be retaining things from week to week so that when those challenges come up, we remember what we learn and we
1: implement what we learn. Amen. You know, one of the things that we started, it was interesting because last week when we were talking about managing disappointment part two, we actually showed up in the studio uh, and we had seven practical and effective ways in which to deal with disappointment. In the way holy spirit took us and led us is we just really talked about one we did we talked about cultivating an attitude of gratitude
0: mm-hmm. and
1: and really we kind of got in this in this vein of man we really need to learn to be thankful for what god has done and what he's promised rather than getting so distracted by the things that haven't happened in our life or the ways in which we have been disappointed and one of the things you talked about was how Uh, disappointment is a part of the human experience, but we've been called to live above just our human existence. That's good. And so uh, today, one of the things I think we're going to do is just talk about another one of those key points. And if we have to teach this in in seven different messages and that's what we'll do. But we're going to we're going to get in and we're going to massage and we're going to meditate and also what we call medicate on this word. And so today we're going to be talking about this idea of what it means to trust in God's plan, right? When disappointments come, how are we as believers, how are we as partners of this skills-based ministry, how do we learn how to trust in God's plan? Because that is what is going to be so important, because if you can trust in God, if you can trust in his word, and if you can trust in the plan that he's given for you, it creates a force. It creates a fortitude. It creates this dynamic within you that allows you to overcome really whatever life throws at you. And I know people go, oh, you don't know my circumstances. I know what the word says. I know the power. I know the deutemus that's in Holy Spirit. I know what happens when it gets inside of us. And what I also know is the Bible says that there's nothing new under the sun. And so whatever I have experienced, Whatever I am experiencing and whatever I will experience, someone else has experienced it, too. And guess what? Jesus brought them out. And even if he didn't, he will for me. Even if he's never done it for anybody else, I believe he will for me. so that's what we're going to be talking about today how to trust in god's plan i
0: think it's an absolute amazing teaching about trusting god's plan you know one of the things i hate is i hate when people say trust the process Mm -hmm. because i'm like as the world trusts the process Mm -hmm. we trust the god of the process Mm -hmm. because the process Doesn't we've all had times where, according to the process, it didn't look like what God said. Mm -hmm. Have any of you ever had a situation in your life where it didn't look like what God said? I remember when we bought our first house, right, when we were leading up to that. And God gave us a word. It didn't look like we were going to be able to have what God said. If we had simply trusted the process, we never would have had that testimony. But because we trusted God's word and sometimes the reason that people aren't getting over things and and moving through things is because they're trying to trust time to help them get rid of disappointment. Mm -hmm. They're trying to help to trust fixed situations to get them out. But no, we trust God. We trust God and we believe what he said. And when we learn how to manage disappointment, we will become relentless. I looked up to that this morning. Um. That being persistent Another word for being persistent Is to be obstinate mm-hmm. Another word for obstinate is to be stubborn We talk about stubbornness in it being a bad thing And it can be But when it comes to what God has said to me We should absolutely be stubborn
1: Because stubbornness is a position It is a position And the, the question is Are you, Is your position anti-God Or is your position pro-God And so you want to be stubborn When it comes to the things of God You don't want to be stubborn when it comes to the things that God is telling you not to do. That's good. You know, when we think about process, I understand what people mean. People say, well, you got to trust the process. But, you know, there are times that God wants to supersede what we deem the process. Amen. You think about people who go through a 12 step program to get free from drugs and alcohol. But we also know people who got to give them one touch and take everything away. Come on. God doesn't need a process, he needs you to follow his process. That's real good. And if you get God to follow, if you, if God can get you to follow his process, because he's such a loving God, because, he, because he's such a dynamic and, 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 and awesome God, what we determine to be the process, God will allow us to skip some of those steps. It's why he says in some ways, don't be conformed to this world. Don't be fashioned after it's superficial customs. Don't be so set in your way that you have to do it the way the world says. I think about my early career when people told me that I had to teach for X number of years. They said I had to be an assistant principal for X number of years. I had to be a principal for X number of years. I had to be an assistant superintendent for X number of years before I could ever get to the kind of career that I wanted. And literally, I superseded all of that within seven years. You
0: absolutely and Within did.
1: seven years, I, all of those processes, did. from the time I started teaching to within seven years, I was where people told me I couldn't be. In fact, i never, my first administrative job was at the Arkansas Department of Education. It wasn't in a school. Why? Because I didn't trust the process. I trusted what God said.
0: But but I think that goes back to something that ties into this teaching very well. One, in one of the, in, in one of the teachings we talked about how disappointment is the result of unmet expectations Mm -hmm. when i when i tie myself to a process yes then i will think god failed me because it doesn't look like what i thought it would look like do you see what i'm saying guys why it's so important not to trust the process we trust the god of the process why because when i get it set in my mind that it has to be this way it's gonna happen on this day it's gonna happen on this month it's gonna happen in this year then when something gets thrown off in that then now i go well god betrayed me or god did this to me or i can't trust god and really it is, to just put it up at the perfect time when he says the, the secret to success, the secret to victory is to do whatever God mm-hmm. tells you to do. And there may be times where God has you to walk the traditional process mm-hmm. and times that he has me to jump steps and vice versa. But what we're really trusting is his voice, not anything external.
1: And here I want to, I want to jump into our teaching with this scripture. Uh, that I didn't have in our notes originally I believe it's in there now It's in the banners It's in Proverbs chapter 4 Verse 25 The Passion Translation I put it in this morning Because I was reading I saw it and thought about how And your setup to this is perfect Look at what this says It says set your gaze On the path before you So whatever God has told you He says this is where I want you to focus This is where I want you to look He said, I want you to look at it. Watch this next section with fixed what? Purpose. So set your gaze on the path before you with fixed purpose, looking straight ahead. Watch this. Ignoring life's distractions. And God said to me this morning, that's all disappointment is. All disappointment is, is a distraction that comes to cause you to take your gaze, to take your focus off of what God has promised. And so I don't know if you've ever read this before, if you've seen it this way, but I read this out of the passage Translation and, I, I, and I, I knew that we had to start here because disappointment happens to everybody. But the purpose of disappointment, when the enemy uses it, is to cause us to be distracted. It's to cause us to become disillusioned, to become disengaged. Why? Because he wants us to take that fixed purpose away from looking at what God had promised. And he wants us to look straight ahead at the disappointment rather than God's promises. Why? Because it is a life distraction. But we will not be distracted by disappointments. Somebody will put that in the comment section. Say, I will not. I will not. Be, dis- be distracted. Be distracted. By disappointment.
0: By disappointments. Now, I think it's some oil on Proverbs 4 this morning. Because the scripture that I was looking at when I was reading over the notes this morning goes up to Proverbs 4.12, which they don't have in their notes. Right now. 25 tells us to set your gaze on the path before you with fixed purpose, looking straight ahead, ignore life's distractions. But if you go back to verse 12, it says your progress will have no limits. Mm -hmm. When you come alongside me, you will never stumble as you walk along the way. He didn't say you wouldn't have disappointment. He didn't say you wouldn't have challenges. He says if you set your gaze on the path before you. And if you come along beside me, your progress will have no limits. Now, this is what I think is beautiful. So even when life happens and somebody dies, we feel prematurely, right? Or we lose a job, or something happens with the house, or we end up in a divorce, or life just happens to people, right? He says, even in the midst of that, your progress will have no limits when. You come alongside me. So the enemy wants us. He wants to use disappointment to steal, kill, and destroy from us so he can keep us stuck so that he can keep us from having the abundant life. This is not a teaching that says pretend you aren't disappointed. Right. This is a teaching that says put disappointment in its proper place. Mm -hmm. Do you guys see the difference in that? We're not saying we don't, that we pretend we aren't disappointment, disappointed. We're not saying that we pretend that it didn't hurt, that we didn't expect it to happen that way. It says that we still keep our eyes Fixed on what God said and we believe his word that our progress will have no limits because we are coming along aside him and we will never stumble along the way. Somebody ought to give up disappointment right now. Yeah. And
1: stumbling along, along the way, you got you to gotta make sure you equate that the right way. Being, disappointment, being disappointed is not the stumbling. Allowing disappointment to get you to take your focus off of God to let it become a life distraction is what the stumble is. It's not the disappointment, but how you respond.
0: Now, I want you to say that one more time. Say it slow. Well,
1: well, it says, and you will never stumble as you walk along the way. And what I'm saying is, is that disappointment is not the stumble. Many of us equate the disappointment as a stumble and we say, well, uh, I got disappointed. So I'm stumbling. No, stumbling is when you allow the disappointment to cause you to take your focus or your gaze off of the promises and you allow disappointment to become the distraction that he warns us against. So, for example,
0: it would be like if I I believe that my business was going to make a certain amount of money Mm -hmm. in a certain amount of time Mm -hmm. and it doesn't, Mm -hmm. a contract falls through, Mm -hmm. so I'm disappointed. Mm -hmm. The stumbling would be if I quit the business. Yeah. The stumbling would be if I get in offense, mm-hmm. I stop trying, I stop having expectations. You stop believing. I stop believing, right? We do not allow disappointment to take us off course. Our progress will have no limit because we are coming along. God, Y'all ought to be sharing Listen, this with I've so been, many people. I've been
1: saying this every time I walk, I think about this from the very first time I started teaching this. And that is, I'll say this. I say I would not allow disappointment to derail me. I won't allow it to be to, to cause me to be disillusioned, and I won't let it stop my destiny. That's good. I won't. I won't let. I won't let disappointment derail my destiny. I won't let it derail my 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 my, my dreams, my desires, any of those things, because I understand now what disappointment comes to do. It comes to steal, <laughs> to, to kill, kill, and to destroy. But God said He came right. Well, we
0: might have life.
1: Yep, and have it how. More abundantly, abundantly to the full, to the overflows. He comes to give us hope. If disappointment is about being disillusioned by some unmet expectation, then hope is all about me having the right expectation based on God's word. You teaching
0: good up in here. So we really just want to talk to you about, because in the journey of life, disappointments are inevitable. Mm-hmm. Everybody's going to face disappointments. They come in many forms missed opportunities, unmet expectations, even the loss of friends and relatives, delayed dreams, broken relationships, unfulfilled promises from others, delayed setbacks, health challenges, and moments when reality simply falls short of our hope. Mm -hmm. We've all experienced at least one of these, right? And while these experiences they can be tempted they can have the opportunity to shake our faith and cloud our vision they also serve as a beautiful canvas on which god's grace can paint a masterpiece of growth and resilience mm-hmm. because after all it shouldn't be the disappointment that defines Christ us it is me. how we respond to it that defines us it's
1: not the disappointment. It's not the you, disappointment. if you allow the disappointment to define you you are pulling yourself down from where God has called you to be. God, Jesus, Jesus himself said it like this. In this world, you are going to have troubles. And in my, my vernacular, he says it like this. Don't trip. I've already overcome the world. And if you are in me then you too have already overcome every disappointment that comes your way. Do not allow the disappointment to define who you are. Do not let the disappointment become your destination. Don't let it be your forever. It happens, but then you got to learn how to shift. You got to learn how to take those emotions and you got to learn how to shift with those emotions so that you can do what Proverbs 4:25 told us to do, which is to set your gaze on the path before you. With a fixed purpose, looking straight ahead and ignoring life distractions. And that's exactly what disappointment is.
0: Listen, if you're in a place where you can because you at home, you ought to shout and type. Disappointment does not define me. It does not. You ought to shout it and you ought to type it disappointment does not define me and anybody who has been sitting in disappointment should say it does not define me and you should get up and take off um blind bar man he had that garment Mm -hmm. of of, of, that identified Mm -hmm. him as a blind blind man man. Mm -hmm. everybody who is wearing a garment that they're they are defined by their disappointment you ought to get up as a prophetic act jump up off your couch jump up out of your kitchen table off your kitchen chair jump up out the bed and say disappointment does not define Mm -hmm. me you ought to shake that garment of heaviness off and you need to say i'm about to go forward and win absolutely now let's look at some scripture foundations Why can we do this? This isn't pie in the sky. This is an illusion. This isn't fantasy. Why can we do this? Because in Proverbs 3, 5 through 6, in the living Bible, it says, trust the Lord with all of your heart. Mm -hmm. Don't depend on your own understanding remember the Lord in all you do and he will give you success. Mm -hmm. I love this verse right here because the thing that we have to learn and remember is that in any given moment, we can only see in a limited perspective. And so many times what we consider to be a great disappointment is actually a great setup for our future. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm gonna give some of the women here an example that you and you need to help me preach. Listen, you need to give me some strong feedback. If you have ever been in a relationship with somebody that you thought was supposed to be your person, and then that relationship fell apart, and then God sent you your purpose. Aren't you glad that your understanding wasn't the outcome? Mm-hmm. Weren't you glad your understanding, anybody glad their understanding wasn't the outcome Absolutely. that you're like, I am so glad that I did not get the thing I so desperately wanted. I'm so glad I didn't get the job that I so desperately wanted. I'm so glad that I didn't get this thing that I so desperately wanted. We need to learn to be in that position even before we see The thing God is going to do Mm -hmm. because we trust his heart for us.
1: Yes, absolutely.
0: And then he leads us into success. Absolutely. All these women in the comments saying, I'm so glad it's a man too. Men don't always admit it like that. But it is it it is it is some men out here that you like, man. I'm so glad that it didn't work out with that girl. That that first girl I had to crush on, or the girl I thought I was gonna be with. I'm so glad it did. And I use that example because that is such a pure example. That when you're in love and you think it's the most amazing thing since sliced bread, you asking God to save the relationship and then he don't because it ain't it. And then he sends you something beautiful and you like, oh, I'm so glad you didn't listen to me. I
1: just talked to a gentleman. um, Today is Sunday. I talked to a gentleman on Thursday uh, and he had reached out to me and we were just talking back and forth. And he was reminding me of when he had applied for this job. Uh, I had kind of worked on his resume with him or whatever. He applied for the job. He, According to them, he, he was their second choice. He didn't get the job. He was pretty disappointed. Probably took him another, I don't know, 30 days or so, but he ended up finding, enough, finding a job. It, wasn't, it didn't pay him as much as the job he didn't get was going to pay him. Um, it, it didn't have as many of the benefits that the other job would have had and everything, but he was thankful that he had got the job. He found out, I guess it was on Monday or Tuesday, because I talked to him Thursday, that the position that he would have gotten had been eliminated from the company. Now, here you talk, six or seven months, he'd have got that job, and within six or seven months, he'd he'd have been out of a job. So God knows what he's doing. Sometimes what seems like a disappointment, as you said, is really God's divine setup. Sometimes protection. Sometimes God is, is, we talk about God opening windows and opening doors. Sometimes God is slamming doors and slamming windows because if he didn't, we walk through the wrong one. And so sometimes that disappointment has to be, okay, I'm disappointed. It's a human emotion, but God, I know you got me. I know that all things work together for the good of them that love you and walk according to your purpose. So therefore, if, if this is a job that I got... Even though I thought I wanted this job, I'm thankful for this, and I'm not going to allow this job I didn't get to become my distraction. I wish somebody was to become be, my distraction should be. I wish somebody was bold enough to say,
0: "Lord, close all the doors that don't belong to oh, me." Oh, absolutely. I wish somebody was bold enough to say, "I so trust your plan for my life." I so trust you're working it for my good. I don't care how much I think I want it, how much I think I want them, how much I think it's my destiny, but God, go ahead and close every door that doesn't belong Is to Pastor me. Pastor
1: Raph already using the language we already use? God already knows. God already knows what, he what gonna he's going to do. Gonna we do. say that all the time. God already knows. If something happens in my life, I'm disappointed by the way it happened, especially when I know that I have been following God. Man, I, ha- I have trained myself. To, to 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 say, okay, I'm disappointed, but God, I thank you. Because I realize that this disappointment comes as a part of my human experience. But if you've closed the door, that's not a door I want to walk through. Because I so, don't want to be nowhere So I don't allow that closed door to become my distraction. I don't spend my time looking over here at the closed door so that I never see the door he opened over here. Because that is what the enemy wants to have happen with disappointment. And you've even taught me that in driving.
0: Well, absolutely. You taught me that in driving. If we're driving somewhere and it seems like, especially if it seems like a car gets slow enough get for stopped no reason. At every light or stopped at every light. You have taught me over time, Sean, you don't know what God is protecting us yep. from. I have learned
1: to see the slow car as a friend i do that when i'm traveling you know i used to travel a lot for work and different things i would see people get so angry in the airport about a flight being missed or this being delayed or whatever man when i travel if the if the plane is delayed god i thank you i don't know what would have happened if we had it took off on time i don't know what could have been a bird strike could have been an engine failure maybe they found something that they need to find I do not travel and get worked up over disappointment my thing is God I believe you got me so whatever happens as I'm traveling as I'm going God I thank you that you're taking care of me folks be getting mad getting upset what you getting mad and upset for when God's protecting you because you say you say you pray Psalms 91 you say you wanted the shadow of the Almighty you say that he's protecting you well then if he says hey we ain't taking this, this flight to dallas today we're gonna wait two hours you ought to be giving god praise for the delay he says you gotta learn and count those things as joy when disappointment shows up knowing that god will take care of you now
0: how many just heard that and said okay i need to grow up
1: and you know i'm not y'all y'all laugh at me about how calm i am when i travel sometimes why because
0: you're not you're not always that calm in the rest of life right but when we're traveling Baby, the way you put your chill on and you like, we go going to get there in the Lord's time. In the
1: Lord's time. we go
0: going to get there in the Lord's time. Because the
1: Lord's and time is safety. The Lord's, Lord's, Lord's time, time is safety. The Lord's time is, is without safety. trouble.
0: Yes. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And there have been times that I have been, because I am, I am not as, I'm working on it, but mm-hmm. I am not near as gracious a traveler as you are, especially once I decide I want to get home. And I have really learned because I can get antsy about getting home. And there have been times I have had to call you and you have had to say to me, chill out. Yeah, you'll get you in a safe place. You said to me, babe, if I, if I got to put you in a hotel and you got to go back to a hotel, that's fine. But chill out. Yeah. And so I just think that we it, it's about us. And we really get to to see whether we really believe. That all things is working for our good it's or not?
1: Managing those emotions, managing those emotions, not allowing those that emotions TLC, to baby. become a distraction. Especially if we believe what this next scripture says, which is Jeremiah twenty nine and eleven, when he says, "For I know the plans I have for you." So you mean to tell me God knows the plans He has for me, but I'm gonna get antsy because it ain't working out according to my plan? He said, "For I know the plans that I have for you," declares the Lord. There are plans to prosper you. Not to harm you, and plans to give you a hope and a future. And so, if I can believe that, then that helps me to manage those emotions. It helps me to to dig into that thinking feeling cycle in the in the correct way, not in the not in the wrong way. Because TLC is just a cycle. If you put in bad feelings and bad emotions, and you're gonna get bad stuff out. But if I can think the right way, if I can feel the right way, then I can I can show up the right way.
0: No, I love that. That's so good. And then Romans 8 and 28 says, and we know. Do we? Do we
1: know? That's the question.
0: I know. Do you know? And I know. know. I know. As an in intimately acquainted mm-hmm. with. And I know that all oh. things work together for the good of them that love God. Do you love God? Mm-hmm. And to them that are called according to his purpose. So even in the midst of trouble. We have learned to say, but it's working for my good. It's working for my good. Oh, but it's working for my good. I'm not. God already knows what He's (laughs) he's going to do. I am not telling you that it is always easy. I am telling you that you can train yourself to go back to this thing that even when I have something tragic happen to me, even when there is an unexpected death, even when there is a, I'll give you this example from my grandmother passing years ago. I can remember that everybody used to say this over me. They used to say, um, whenever mama dies, Sean go fall apart. When you met me that that's that's what people would say mm-hmm. about me whenever mama dies sean gonna fall apart right but god has so orchestrated my life that by the time my grandmother passed i actually was coming to know jesus in a personal way for myself and i remember when she transitioned and everybody's calling me because they are looking for me To have this because they're not talking about this normal reaction. They're talking about like the gentleman you're talking about being stuck for 10 years as a result of the transition. Right. Mm -hmm. But God so orchestrated my life that even though I deeply missed my grandmother, I still miss my grandmother. But that it never did to me what the enemy wanted it to do to me. That thing was working for my good. Every orchestration of it was working for my good, even though I still had to walk through something painful. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It was working for my good. Absolutely. Tell your neighbor, say
1: it's working for your good. Yeah, it is working for my good. And when, and when you when you take the time to actually look at these foundational scriptures that we use this morning, what you begin to understand is we're talking about a kind of trust that is not based on our own human abilities. It's a trust that that allows us to not lean on to our own understanding, but relies fully on God's wisdom, on God's promises. It's a trust that's not passive, but an active kind of trust. I am I am making a decision to trust God in spite of what I can see with my natural eyes, in spite of what I can experience in my with my five senses. I am choosing to trust God. It's an active, living kind of faith, a faith that engages with God. I get to talk to Him through prayer, through meditation. I get to fellowship with Him. I get to fellowship with other believers. My faith is literally being nurtured and grown even in the midst of disappointment. We, I don't just grow this thing when everything is going fine. I don't just I don't just take the time to talk to God when things are good. I I, I do this on a daily basis because I know that life is going to like. And when life begins to life, then this force that I have on the inside of me, this anchor that I have, his word now begins to say to me, okay, you're disappointed, but what did God say? The ship is rocking, but what did God say? The storm is coming, but what did God say? You know, i use that scripture all the time where it talks about there were two houses, but one was built on a rock and one was built on the sand. This Bible says storm came to both of them. The rain fell on both of them the wind fell on both of them but great was the destruction of one while the other one stood what was the difference it wasn't a storm it wasn't it the wind. wind it wasn't the rain come on what's the difference the difference is what they were built on you gotta ask the yourself the question what
0: are you built my on? my life is built on the word of god you know disappointment can feel like a heavy cloak that dims our vision and burdens our heart But as born again believers, we have a unique tool set, our faith Mm -hmm. and the wisdom of scripture, which equips us to handle disappointment, not just with resilience, but with grace and hope. Mm -hmm. Romans 5, 3 through 5, it says, not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, 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 character and character, hope and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured in our hearts through the Holy Spirit, which has been given to us. And I think that this was another scripture that I pulled up because I was like, oh, there is a, I think the, yes, the passion translation, it gives us the passion translation. It says, but that's not all, even in times of trouble, we have a joyful confidence knowing that our pressures will develop in us patient endurance and patient endurance will refine our character and proven character leads us back to hope. And this hope is not a disappointing fantasy because we can now experience the endless love of God cascading into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who lives in us. I love it. It says, the it's the character is going to lead us back to hope. And hope is gonna allow us to experience what God has for us. We cannot let go of our hope. Hope is a power source. Hope is a powerful source that anchors us in times of trouble. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You want me to keep going? Mm-hmm. I thought you were okay. And then in First Peter. 6 and 7, it says, in all this, you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith or greater, of greater worth than gold, which perishes, even though refined by fire may result in praise, glory, and honor When Jesus is revealed. Mm -hmm. So the Bible is telling us. We're going to praise God anyway. We're going to understand. If somebody's facing trouble right now. I dare you to look at it and say. This is just temporary. Mm -hmm. This is just temporary. And that's why James tells us. In James 1, 2 and 4. Consider it pure joy. Mm -hmm. My brothers and my sisters. Whenever your faith. When you face trials of any kind. Because you know that the testing of your faith. Is going to produce perseverance let perseverance finish its work so you may be mature and complete and not lacking anything mm-hmm. and i was thinking about this i was thinking that one of the reasons that this is probably a skill set that we have so much strength in is because pa- being a pastor is a lot like being an insurance agent you tip there are a lot of people you don't hear from until there's trouble They reach out to you when they're in Mm -hmm. crisis, when they're in pain. So people don't realize throughout the course of the day how many bad reports we may actually hear. Mm -hmm. If we had not learned to anchor ourselves in the word, pastoring would have literally crushed us. Because many days we don't have anything going on in our own family, but we are ministering to people from all over the nation about different things. So we have had to learn to find strength in these scriptures for ourselves so that we can minister to others and not end up being depleted.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. So the question becomes, OK, what do I do or how do I find peace? How do I find strength in God's plan? How do I do that in the midst of disappointment? Well, the truth of it is, is that the beauty of our faith is that it always offers us a peace uh, that transcends understanding. When, when, when people say, well, I don't understand how you could experience that and not lose your mind. Well, it's because my faith gives me a type of peace Mm, that transcends mm-hmm. human understanding.
0: Mm-hmm. And that's
1: the reason that people who don't trust God don't understand why we don't behave the way they behave. That's good. I tell people all the time life is going to give you two choices. You can believe God or disbelieve God. Both of them have their consequences. Mm. Both of them have their consequences. And when you don't trust God, then you are basically at the mercy. Of, of, of what you can handle in your own personal endeavor, Jesus. But when you are in faith, when you understand that God already knows what he's gonna do, when you are in faith and you understand that all things work together for the good of them that love the Lord, when you are in faith and you know that God has a plan and a hope for your future, It gives you this sense of peace that transcends human understanding. It becomes a strength that surpasses our own ability to keep going. It's a hope that begins to burn bright even in the darkest of times in our lives. This divine guidance that God gives us, what it does is it fosters a sense of peace in the midst of chaos. So even when things are going crazy all around me, I can settle myself. I think about our guiding word. One of the things he says in the guiding word is stay calm. Stay calm. He says, stay calm. How am I supposed to stay calm when I'm receiving disappointment after disappointment after disappointment? When, I, when I've lost loved ones, when people who I thought were supposed to be there for me because I was there for them, don't show up for me. You when I have teach. unmet expectations, when I have career setbacks, when I have health challenges, when my kids are going astray, when I know I've raised them right, what do I do when all of this is going around? Jesus tells us to stay Calm. Stay
0: calm. Stay
1: calm. And this kind of peace that faith gives us allows us to still be able to face what life is throwing at us, but to remain calm, knowing that his expectation that he has set for us will surely come to pass. I didn't rely on that scripture says God is not a man. That he, he should lie, lie, nor the son of man, that he should repent. If God said it, it shall surely come to pass. So then it begins to change my posture about what I come see on. going on around me. Now it allows me to uh, to be able to not only encourage myself, but even encourage others when I'm going through. It allows me to cultivate this enduring trust, even in the midst of life's uncertainties. Everybody take a deep breath. and say, stay calm. Stay calm. Take a
0: deep breath and say, no matter what you see happening around, you, stay calm,
1: stay calm.
0: And what happens is, is that because we talk a lot about the Bible tells us one of our favorite scriptures is Romans 12 and two, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Mm -hmm. But we talk about how your soul has these components, your mind, your will, your emotions, your intellect and your imagination. So what's going to happen, guys, is that when we begin to practice staying calm.
1: We're going to develop some muscle memory Mm -hmm. in staying calm. And you don't just practice it out of your human emotion. You stay calm because of the faith you have in God. Yes. Because of the faith, not because you just meditate, not because you do yoga or you do some something else to help you transcend. No, no, no. You stay calm because you are so ingratiated in what God has promised that it's more real to you than what is happening around you, even though what's happening around you is putting pressure on you. You're so convinced of what God said, it is bigger than what's happening. Because the big distinction between...
0: Eastern meditation and meditation in the world is that Eastern meditation, those universal laws of meditation, they are about emptying the mind. Mm -hmm. But in the body of Christ, in the kingdom of God, meditation is about filling your mind with what God said. That's a
1: huge difference. It's really about medicating on the word. I mean, I know we meditate, but it's also medicating. When I when when our bodies are racked with pain, the doctors prescribe us medicine. Well, when it, when disappointment is racking my mind, will emotions, imagination, I gotta medicate on the word. I gotta take the word in. The Bible says, take it in like what? Like medicine. medicine.
0: Like medicine. It's funny because Latonya just put in the comments, she said, when that bank account gets low, say, calm, knowing God is greater. I remember mom used to say to us all the time, she used to say, you don't need it till you You need need it.
1: You You don't
0: need it till you need it. She really helped us. You want a big
1: bank account sometimes because you don't want to have to think about needing God. Now, I ain't saying you ought to always be there, but that's what we had to learn. We had to learn that the reason we wanted a a high number in our bank account is because in reality, we didn't want to have to believe God. But you don't get a high number in your bank account until you learn to believe God. Unless because now we honestly, if we lost it all, we know how to get it back the same way we got it. We trust and believe God that disappointment wouldn't come and derail our life anymore.
0: And I think that people don't understand this, especially in the journey with money and in the journey with wealth. And we didn't understand it at the time is that. It is our, it is your ability to keep the same calm, no matter what that number in the account looks like,
1: that determines you can handle more. It's what the Apostle Paul said. He says, I learned to, to abound, and I've learned to abase. I learned to be happy. I learned to be, to, to be joyous, whether I have or whether I don't have. He said, because what I've learned is that whether I have, and I'm paraphrasing, or whether I don't have, it's the same God.
0: It's the same God.
1: It's the same God.
0: And then Jesus says, we pray for daily bread. Mm-hmm. And so I think one of the most beautiful things that we learned in our time of lack was we learned how to believe for daily bread. Mm-hmm. We learned how to believe the way mom said, you don't need it till you need it. I don't have time to be worried about next Friday because the Bible says today has enough cares of its own. So today I ask God, where is my provision for today? Where is my favor for today? Where is my direction for today? And and so many times we learned it was the simple instruction. It would be the simple instruction that God would give us. I remember this and I feel like somebody needs to hear this. So if this is blessing you, when I tell this, put an eight in the comments. I remember that God literally taught us when we lived in a time of lack. That we did not pay bills. Until we brought those bills together. Oh, absolutely. Prayed over them and asked him for the order. Now, see, y'all, this is not going to make sense to some of you. We didn't care what the date on the bill was due. What we did was we would say to God, how, what is the order? Because when you ain't got enough, you need God to help you do something.
1: Those bills were our two fish and five loads. Those, yes. (laughs) I mean, the 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 money to pay for Yes.
0: And literally, we would sit down on a Friday evening or a a Saturday morning. We would lay all our bills out on the table. Everyone would have a notebook, and he would say, "Okay, God, this is how much we need. This is how much we have. How much? How do you want us to pay? How do you want us? How do you want us to pay these bills?" I have lost track of the times that it looked like. The numbers didn't match. But when we got through paying those bills in order, we had more than enough. Yeah. I can't tell you the number well, of times. The time. number
1: of times he would do, he would tell us not to pay a particular bill. And then something in between the time that, that, that we were going to pay it next, it, somebody would pay it for us or somebody would give us the money for it, or they tell us we didn't owe it. I mean, I can't tell you the number of times we've lived that way.
0: And what happens is, is that. When we learn to trust God for a $35 water Mm bill, then it's easy when we're facing a $3,500 need Mm -hmm. because it's the same God. It's the same God. But if we don't bring our disappointments and our problems, right? And I think this is the difference. A lot of people go to God and they say, I'm so tired of being in this situation. I don't understand why I'm in this situation. It's not fair. I can't believe they did. We just brought the bills. We say, okay, God.
1: And it's funny and acknowledge the fact that we didn't have the ability to do it supernaturally like he could, but we were willing to follow his instructions. We were
0: willing to Because God already knew what he
1: was gonna do. Because God already
0: knew what and, he was And we do.
1: just needed to know what God wanted us to do to be a part of his plan so that we didn't end up in a place of lack all the time.
0: I think that was a word for somebody. You need to you need to make a practice, whether you have a little or a lot. Of asking God, what is the order? How to do it? I was talking to the Lord about paying my car off just yesterday, and He said, "I don't want you to do that yet." Yeah. He said, "I want you to do something else instead."
1: Right? We need. And people go, "Well, I got the money. I should just go ahead and do it." Not if God told you not to. And I, and I don't know. It doesn't get. I don't care that you have the money to do it. You know, right before the I tell this story. Right before the pandemic, I was getting ready to redo our sound equipment in the church. I was on a plane flying back home, and making a list. I had got Pastor Raph, and, and and at that time I had got uh, Rob McCoy too to send me some quotes about all the different equipment we needed. And and literally, the Lord just said to me, "So you're not gonna ask me?" And I was like, "Well, what do you mean, ask you? We got the money to do it. We saved up the money to do it." He said, "You're not gonna ask me whether or not you should even put new equipment in the church that you say is mine." Well. And I remember being on the plane thinking, well, okay, my my bad. My bad. You know, God, should we should I get this equipment? And I'm thinking, He wants me to get a particular kind of equipment. And he says, No, don't invest any money in that equipment right now. Now, this is this is the end of February it's of 2020. Of February. I'm flying home from a trip. And, and in March of 2020, what happens? Pandemic it's shut pandemic. down. We didn't for, come to church. And, we, and for two almost two years, we didn't meet in that building. Why? Because I I had enough sense to hear God when he said, you're not even going to ask me. And sometimes that's the problem. You got to ask you a question. But remember, God already know the answer. He already knew the answer.
0: Can I give y'all a free for right here? If God ever asks you a question, whatever you think you know ain't it. It ain't I really want y'all to, I I really, really want y'all to hear this. If God ever asks you a question, Whatever you thought you knew,
1: it ain't it. Listen, we're not the only ones. I just saw Kev say this. Kev said he remembers. There there it is. You can put it back up. It says, Kev says, I remember when the Lord told me not to pay my student loans off. And then they end up being forgiven. Because,
0: come on, y'all need to get stabbed up. God already knows. See, some of you, you can't get the plan to pay off your student loans because you're too busy being stuck in how disappointed you are that your student loans are so high or what Biden and the the government didn't do. And then now you're in a situation where you're stuck with it, where God already knows what he's going to do. Now, I don't never let you tell the story about your equipment without telling the follow-up story about the car. Caleb was coming home for spring break. I was going to give Caleb the car that I was driving because it was actually his car. We had actually gone to the BMW dealership. We had a loaner. We were driving it for the weekend. We had driven it to church. Everybody was like, oh, Pastor that car so fresh. That Monday morning, the Lord said, don't buy that car. Don't buy it. Don't buy that don't car. Don't buy that car. I called you. I said, babe, the Lord said, don't buy that car. He said, you, I guess you better take them folks' hey, their
1: but, car listen, back. It, it, if the Lord said, don't, don't buy it, it ain't no sense you keep driving them folk car. Take them folks' car them, back. You said, take them folks' said, their take car back. Take them car back. Them them, they, they car back.
0: And... We took the car back, and by the end of spring break, yep. the boys didn't go back to school, except y'all had to go down they, there and, and move, move out, out
1: the door. Because they had shut the schools they down. They had
0: shut the schools yeah. down. Now, what would have happened? i have had a, a car note on a car that I wasn't even driving because for months. You was months. the only person when yes. they used to ask, I know all y'all they do this, but when they used to ask that only one person would go one to the store, one person in the family would go out, he was the person who went out. I wouldn't have even been driving that car. And paying a car note And one. paying a car no on it. And then when it was time to get a car, he was like, okay, Sean, go ahead and get a car. How many of you realize your life would be so much easier and maybe you wouldn't face so much disappointment if you were not so tied to
1: your own outcome? And even if you face the disappointment, You wouldn't compound that disappointment by making bad decisions based on the disappointment. Say this,
0: say I am not tied to my own outcomes. How many of you realize right now that some of you need to give up your ties to your outcome? Mm -hmm. That, 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 That much of the disappointment comes because you have decided how it needs to play out. You have decided what it needs to look like. And then the enemy uses what you decided to get you disappointed. Can anybody see that? Why am I asking? Can you see it? Because the Bible says if the thief be caught, he must repay sevenfold. So now when I understand that, oh, one of the reasons that the enemy got me so jacked up is because I got tied to an outcome that 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 God never said would happen that way. I'm tied to it. That's the way I want it to happen. But no, I'm tied to God, not the outcome.
1: And there is no peace in your life when you are tied to your own outcome. Because you don't have control over everything in every situation to make it come out. There's no peace there. But we read in Isaiah 26 and 3, it says the Lord will keep us uh, or him in perfect peace whose minds are steadfast because they trust in him. So we understand that if we would just trust in the Lord, that he will keep us in perfect peace. What is perfect peace? It doesn't mean absence of problems. It means that even in the midst of problems, I'm just as secure in the promise as I was before the problem showed up. Absolutely. And then in Psalms 46, 1 and 2, it says, God is our refuge and our strength. He is an ever-present help in a time of trouble. Yes, he is. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the the heart of the sea. Why? Because God is our refuge. God is our strength and he is ever-present. He has never left me. He has never forsaken me. He has never walked away from me. I've never been alone. God has always been there with me. Even in the midst of my greatest times of disappointment, God has been there.
0: That's so good.
1: And then Isaiah 40 and 31 says, but those who hope in the Lord. Now, what is hope? Now, hope, if you go back to it, and I think I have it pulled up right here. Hope is this optimistic state of mind based on the expectation of a positive outcome. And so he literally says, but those who hope in the Lord. They will renew their strength. Those who have a positive expectation. What does that expectation come to come from? Well, Psalm sixty-two and five says, "My expectation is from is from God." So, if God has told me a promise, God has told me a plan. That's what my expectation is. If my expectation is there, then Isaiah says he'll keep me in perfect peace. If he's going to keep me in perfect peace, then I can rest in the fact that Psalm 46, one and two says he is my refuge and strength in, a, in my ever present help in a time of trouble. So when I read Isaiah 41 and 40 and 31, where it says, but those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. I know that even in times of disappointment, I'm still getting stronger. I'm still making it. How? Because he says they will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. And then lastly, First Peter 5 and 7 says for me to cast all of that junk, all of that mess, all of that anxiety, take it and give it to him. Why? Because he cares enough for me, for me not to bear it. He says, you give it to me, you exchange your anxiety, you exchange your fear, you exchange your depression, you exchange your sadness, and let me give you joy. I love it. In the Passion Translation, it says, pour out all
0: your worries and stress on him and leave them there, leave for him. he tenderly cares for leave you. Leave them there. Pour them out and, 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 Don't and leave Don't go back them and there. pick them up. Don't go back and get it. Um Isaiah 40 and 31, that scripture you were just looking at, it says those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles and they will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. What causes so many people to grow weary and so many people to faint is disappointment. Yep. They are managing disappointment instead of pouring out there stress and worry on God, leaving it there and trusting God to work it out.
1: Are they even managing disappointment though? Are they even managing it? Or are they or is just is being overwhelmed over, they're, managing, being over they're, they're being overwhelmed by disappointment? Or is
0: disappointment disappointment managing them?
1: Right. They,
0: they're not managing right. they're not managing disappointment. disappointment. Disappointment is managing them.
1: Absolutely. And so then we have these we have a couple of things we'll share with you about how do you trust in God's plan in the face of disappointment? How do you trust in God's plan in the face of number one you know what we're going to say you ought to know what we're going to say you got to stay rooted in the word of god you have to
0: stay rooted in the word of god the
1: bible is not just a book it is a it's the living word of god that provides comfort guidance and assurance that god is always in control in every situation psalms 119 and 105 in the living bible says lord your words are a flashlight to light the path ahead of me and, and keep, keep me, me from stumbling. stumbling. So we back to stumbling. stumbling. Now, what does the word do? It keeps me from stumbling. It
0: keeps me from stumbling. So, if you're
1: going to learn to trust in God's plan, even when disappointment is happening, you got to do number one. You got to be rooted in the word of God. Now,
0: I got to say this because whenever we talk about rooted in the word, this is something important. I feel like a lot of believers are reading their Bible with no aim. They're reading their Bible to say they went through scripture. It's like, If you are walking through a health challenge, why are you reading the book of Daniel and trying to understand and in Revelations trying to understand the seals? If you are struggling in in keeping peace in your mind, why are you trying to figure out exactly where the tomb of Jesus was? I think it is more important to get one or two or three scriptures that you can really meditate on that can really begin to anchor in your anchor, your soul than to feel like you've accomplished something because you read three chapters about something that didn't have anything to do with what you're walking through. It just seems to me that a lot of times it's like, to me, it's like the way I see believers read the word and the way I see believers pray are things that I think cause them to have unnecessary struggle. So we're, we're reading the Bible almost like a chapter book. Mm-hmm. Like I'm reading it just to say I checked it off, but I'm not actually going to get scripture about the thing that I'm facing. And then when I'm praying, I am either complaining and talking all the time. That I say this all the time. I believe most believers talk too much in prayer. Because you, when you go into prayer, you already know everything you know. You know what you don't know? Everything God knows. So I was saying the other day that while I believe in intercession, I believe that one of the challenges for people is that in learning to be intercessors, they think that intercession is them just talking all the time. Where for me, prayer a lot of the time looks like, God, according to your word, you said X. What do you want me to do? Mm -hmm. What do you want me to know? How should I help? How should I get the answer? And I just don't think most believers are praying that way. I think that most believers are thinking, I got to pray hard. I got to pray long. I got to pray fast instead of saying, I need to ask the King of Kings, the source of all wisdom, for instruction and sit and get that instruction.
1: Well, if prayer is communication, co means too. If you're just going in and you just, your prayer is about you talking, you're not communicating, you're having a monologue. You're just telling god all about your problems you're just telling god what it is you want him to hear and then getting up and going and that's why you can't go out and produce anything because you never sat long enough to get an answer and so that's that that's a that's a basic premise of what prayer is prayer is communication it's two individuals talking it's one person understanding the other and the other understanding the other person and so if you're just talking and god's understanding you but you don't spend enough time to let god talk to you where you can understand him you ain't prayed you just spent time doing a monologue, and that's just the truth. And I tell people that all it's, the time. It's
0: the way I love you. It's the way I love <laughs> you. Though. So, how many of you think that, that you just realized? I probably talk too much in prayer. I probably talk too much. I talk a lot to people when I do my work. I do not. I am not the main person talking in prayer. We were both talking about when we go out there walking. When we go out there walking. Listen, the way the Lord just be talking and downloading and giving strategies and stuff, you say one thing to the Lord. Sometimes you don't say one thing. You just start walking and he starts downloading information. Some of you, you could get your problems resolved real quick if you just would quit talking so much. Mm-hmm. Now, the second one is you have to maintain your confession of faith. You, do. you have to learn to speak life over your situation mm-hmm. and declare that despite what it looks like. You know, God has a plan. And to prosper you and not to harm you, yes. you got to maintain your confession of faith.
1: Don't let your mouth derail you.
0: Look at these people. See, they're getting breakthrough. They're saying, I don't sit and wait. I talk too much. Well, we know that. I de-
1: we, I mean, we, we oh, do. We, we talk to enough people to know that they don't do that. We talk to enough people to know that they talk too much in, in their monologue, that they're not praying. We know that. We, so I'm, I'm glad they're realizing oh. it this morning. Oh, so we're gonna whoa is this true.
0: So then, and here's the thing: the reason I need to hear from God in prayer Mm -hmm. is because that is how I maintain my confession of faith.
1: Absolutely,
0: it's how I maintain my confession of faith. And I and you know, I all I'm always gonna use Jordan when we're talking a big miracle, right? So the disappointment is is that Jordan couldn't talk. Mm -hmm. The disappointment is, is they cannot even test her to figure out how deep the issue is because her language is so bad. But as I'm sitting there listening to them, the Lord says to me, Jordan will talk. So now when I'm going to the Lord, I didn't go to the Lord and say, Lord, you got to heal Jordan. Lord, I know you got to do something for Jordan. I know you see Jordan down here. I would go to the Lord every day and say, what do you want me to do for Jordan?
1: I mean, if you stop and think about it, even that language with that tone and that posture, that sounds like somebody who don't believe. If, well, if, if you, I'm, I'm just help, I want to help, the, as, help a, the as, a, as all people say, well, I, I want to hope the people I this hope the people today. If you are showing up and that is your language, that is your syntax, that's your style, that's your tone, that you're talking to God, you need to know you don't believe, you don't believe. God, I need you to do this. God, I know what I'm going to do with you. God, you got to do it. You got to come through. Oh, heavenly Father. You don't believe. He. He told you in his word what his what his passion and desire for you was. Now, your job is to believe that you receive it. And once you believe you receive it, then you maintain your confession of faith, not a confession to keep begging.
0: Well. Saints say, Amen. so with Jordan, I would say to God, what should Jordan eat? what trainings should be in? what therapist i i I think listen i think here's a deep dive i think some of y'all don't even ask god who should my doctor be who should my therapist be what should i do with these medicines that they gave me how should i eat so i stop getting um acid reflux. So I stopped not being able to sleep at night. I think we just go out here and we look at information and we go, oh, this person doing keto. Oh, this person doing Weight Watchers. And then we go do a keto Weight Watcher combo and then wonder why nothing works. Or this person had this, like, listen, I'm all for listening to other people's stories. But when I listen to other people's stories, I'm always asking God, what do you want me to do with that? I believe that God will intentionally give us somebody else's testimony to ignite us, to let us know that it's a possibility. But then I think it becomes my responsibility to say, okay, God, specifically back to Jordan, God gave us some very specific things that did not make sense at the time. During that time, when we judge us, we was the parents who gave our kids soda, but we gave our kids Sprite. And I remember the day that the Lord said, look at Jordan and see what happens when she drinks Sprite. Do not give her Sprite Well, anymore. we noticed
1: it because we, we, that, during that time, we were driving back and forth from Northwest Arkansas to Conway because the church was in Conway. We would notice when we got the kids, you know, a, a drive through McDonald's or Wendy's or something, get them a meal because it's a two and a half hour drive back. We noticed what was happening when she was drinking Sprite. When she was drinking, drinking the Sprite, she started to do the ticks a lot more. And it was like, okay, God, what what is this about? What do we need to do? He was like, no sprite.
0: Yeah, and I think that what happens sometimes is that instead of people going to God first, they try to go and get the information from somebody else and implement. And it goes back to something you 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 said a lot in 2022. You said that God has universal plans. And unique instructions. Mm-hmm. So, God has a. So, so many people reach out to me now and they say, My granddaughter was diagnosed with autism. My son was diagnosed with autism. Tell me what you did for Jordan. And I say to them, there are things you need to do. There are therapeutic things, there are dietary things, there are stimulation things, but I cannot tell you specifically what to do for your child. I can tell you that you need to go out here and you need to get some research and ask the Lord which diet plan is best for
1: your child. What I do know is that the Bible says if any man lack what? Wisdom, he'll do what? Let him ask of God Who will give to him? Give to him unabraded, which means liberally. So God will give you more information than you need if you will ask Him. I think that
0: we, I think we need to. Everybody needs to have a major shift right here. God is not keeping information from us. God will literally give you more information than you need because He wants you to win. He will give you more information. God is not keeping the secret to success from your marriage, from your parenting, from your job situation. That is not what God is doing. God is not withholding information from us, guys. What God is doing is God is freely giving us information and you and I have to become open enough that we are willing to sit and we are willing to hear what God is saying that we need to do. Absolutely. Amen. Amen. So, so number one, we, we need to stay rooted. Yep. Number two, we need to main confession, maintain our confession of faith. And then number three, babe.
1: We need to stay connected to your faith community. You got to stay connected to your faith community. Listen, isolation can magnify disappointment. Ooh. Let me say that again. Ooh. Isolation can magnify disappointment. Let me say that again. Isolation can magnify disappointment. The Bible says do not be ignorant of Satan's devices or his tactics. One of the tactics of the enemy is to isolate. If he can isolate you, whatever disappointment is in your life will become magnified. So you need to learn to be a person who has enough wisdom and enough intellect to surround yourself with other believers who can encourage you, even in times of great disappointment. You need to be around people who will pray for you. You need to be around people who will give you some 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 uh, some some worship experience, people who will give you a hug, love on you. But most of all, remind you about the promises of God. You need to be connected to your faith community. The Bible even tells us this in Hebrews 10, 25. It says, let us not neglect our church meetings as some people do, but encourage and warn each other, especially now that the day of his coming back again is drawing near. He says, now is not the time for you to be sitting around talking about you don't need a church community. Now, I listen, I'm a proponent of virtual church. I don't, I don't ever believe we're going back to the place where everybody just went to in-person church. I think there are some people who were disconnected from church who has reconnected to church because of virtual church. What I'm saying to you is, is that you need community. You need community, whether it's virtual, whether it's in person or whether it's a hybrid method. You need to be around other people. And when I say other people, I don't just mean you just click in and watch a church service. You don't ever comment. You don't ever say anything. You're still isolating yourself. I'm saying you need to be on the broadcast if you're a virtual partner. You need to have your name showing up. You need to be commenting. You need to be talking. When we have events, where we have uh, our Zoom meeting, where we just invite partners in, you need to be there you need somebody needs to know if you don't show up you need community you need to be able to say in the covenant partners group guys This is a disappointment that I had this week. I really wasn't expecting this. I just need some encouraging words so we can come and we can give you encouragement. So we can come and tell you, hey, greater is on the way so that we can come and tell you, listen, we believe in you. We know God's plan for your life and it's going to get better and it's going to get, as my wife say, gooder and gooder. But if you isolate yourself, then he's just going to use that disappointment to be magnified in your life. So know the enemy's tactics and don't let him do it. Don't let him do it. I think that this is so important. This is this is something that will really help you.
0: Guys, you need to notice that when you start not wanting to be around people of like precious faith, that's not the real you. No. You need to notice that. That when you start hearing things like, don't get online, don't come to the huddle, don't get in prayer, don't answer the prayer team when they send you a message. You need to know that that is the enemy. That is not the real you. And he's seeking to isolate you. And when you feel the need most to connect, that's when you need to learn to lean in. Mm -hmm. You got to learn how to lean in when you feel most, when you most want to disconnect. When you most are like, I don't don't feel like talking to nobody. I don't need nobody in my business. That's when you really need to lean in so that the enemy cannot Mm -hmm. out. Cannot isolate you. Absolutely. And then we have one more. You need to be patient and persistent in prayer. Understand that God's timing is perfect. But while you are waiting, keep praying, not for the situation to change, but for your understanding and faith to grow. Mm -hmm. In Philippians 4, 6 and 7, it says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray, pray about, about everything. everything. Tell, Tell God. God your needs mm-hmm. and don't forget to thank him for his answers. All that he
1: has if you
0: do this, you will experience God's peace, which is far more wonderful mm-hmm. than the human mind can understand. His peace will keep your thoughts and your hearts quiet and at rest as you trust in Christ. Look Jesus.
1: at that last part. Here's it says his peace. The peace of God. I'm not trying to just get peace by telling myself it's okay. I don't mind what happened. I don't mind that I didn't get it. I don't mind this. I don't mind that. No, no, no. It tells me that his peace will keep my thoughts and my heart quiet, calm, at rest as I continue to trust in Jesus Christ. How many of you were blessed by this teaching?
0: Man, how many of you want to, anybody want to rededicate their life to the Lord, want to give their life to the Lord? But I want to give everybody a prayer prompt this week. I want to give everybody a prayer prompt. And I want to challenge you to pray this prayer prompt for the next 30 days. And I think if you do, you'll make it a lifestyle. Anytime something happens that you don't understand, I want you to ask God this question. How should I feel about this? Anytime something happens that irritates you, Anytime you feel betrayed, anytime you feel disappointed, anytime you feel like there is delay, I want you to ask God this question. How should I feel about this? How should I feel about this? How should I feel about this? I've learned to do this in my marriage when Pastor Edwin may be like, you know, preoccupied or whatever. And I'm like, how should I feel about this? And the Lord will be like, you shouldn't feel like you feel. You, the way you feel is wrong. He'll, perceive, answer your, he'll answer your question. You perceive this wrong. So many times, the reason we can't navigate out is that we have wrong perception. Mm-hmm. So one of my first questions in dealing with any situation is how should I feel about this? How should I feel about this? How should I see this? Because the moment I can line my sight up with his and my feelings with his feelings, it changes my life. I'll never forget the, the one time the Lord told me this. The Lord said, don't you worry unless I tell you I'm worried. Mm. He said, you don't ever have a reason to worry unless I tell you I'm worried. Mm. That really changed the course of my life. He was like, Sean, you only worry if you come to me and i tell you i'm worried mm-hmm. if i tell you i'm worried then you get worried as long as i don't tell you i'm worried you don't have a reason to worry mm-hmm. that chain that allowed that scripture to become real to me well if god ain't worried, why would i be worried if god isn't stressed why would i be stressed if God isn't frustrated, if God doesn't lack the answer, why would I think I lack the answer? So, if you're committed to pray this for the next thirty days, where you're going to ask the Lord about all situations, how should I feel about this? Could you just put a three in the comments?
1: And here, he, he, I'm saying why they that's the scripture you can rest on. Set your gaze on the path before you for the next thirty days. And this, I'm going to be, I'm, I'm going to set my gaze on asking God. How should I feel about this? How should I feel about this? I'm going to have a fixed purpose of when anything comes up that I even think I may be uh, disappointed with or I may be feeling some anxiety about. I'm going to have a fixed purpose that before I start to do what I normally do, I train myself to say, God, how should I feel about this? I'm going to look straight ahead. I'm not going to jump off to the left or to the right and fly off into a a tantrum like I used to. I'm going to say, God, How should I, how should I feel about about this? Why? Because I'm going to allow myself to learn how to ignore, life's distractions
0: and disappointments. I cannot tell you how many times the Lord has said to me, we don't have the same perception. How you see this is wrong. Let me show you how I see this. I can't tell you the number of times that care has just rolled off of me because I asked him that question and he says, Sean, this is what I see. And I thought, well, I want to see what you see, because what you see is way better than what I see. It's literally changed my life.
1: It's interesting, you know, and I, I don't mind being transparent. You know, Kanan got into the University of Miami. They gave her a substantial scholarship, but it's a five-year program, so there's still some money to be paid over the course of those five years that we'll have to pay. And I was at, I, I was walking, and I guess it came up in my mind. I was like, man, I said, like, okay, God, we're gonna have to you know, get some money and pay, pay, pay for this girl's school, the rest of it, and if she don't get some more scholarships and you know, different things and blah, blah. blah. He said, have, I, have you ever needed something I didn't provide? That's all he said. He said, have you ever needed something I didn't provide? And I was like, no. He said, okay, let's talk about something else. And I was like, you know what? Let me set my gaze on the path before me. <laughs> let, let me have a fixed purpose. Let me look straight ahead and quit and, and quit getting distracted by, by, by potential disappointment. It wasn't disappointment. He said, "Have you have you ever needed anything, and I didn't provide it?"
0: Listen, as we get ready to our, <laughs> as we get ready to do our giving, I want y'all to just stop and think. If you begin to make a practice where you say it to the Lord, how should I feel about this, mm-hmm. and what do you want me to do about this? Can you just see how some of the stress and anxiety of life would melt oh, just, off of
1: you? It just, it goes away. It becomes non-existent.
0: I was talking to Chandra the other day about something about my business. And, and she asked me a question and I didn't have an answer. And I, I was getting frustrated. And I said, um, I literally said to her, I said, um, I'll get back to you. I got to go talk to the Lord because I don't know what to do. Right? I'll call you back when I know what the Lord said. Because what's the point in me being stressed over something I can't fix anyway? I can't fix it. But I think that... Even
1: the- your best plan wouldn't be his worst plan.
0: Well, say it again. Tell Even our again. best
1: plans wouldn't be God's worst plans. So why not just go and ask him? Because he says anybody who asks, I give you wisdom. You just got to ask. And if you ask, I'll give it to you unabraided. I give you a lot
0: of it. Now, I personally want to hear from you guys this week as you do this, if you have things that God makes really clear to you, I'm sorry, when you have things that Mm -hmm. God makes clear to you, I want you to send me a message. I want you to practice this and see and and watch the ease God wants to bring in your life. Mm -hmm. Isn't that a part of God's Mm -hmm. word? That there is an ease that God wants to bring to our life, even in the midst of chaos, even in the midst of chaos. So, we have ways to give today. This is a great ministry. How many of you believe this is a great ministry? It's a life changing ministry. Then, listen, we have 100% tithers and givers in this ministry. We want to remind you don't forget Project 24. It's going to be absolutely amazing. The people that we're going to be able to bless, and you can give through Giveify, Push Pay, Tithely. You can give. Go back, go back, pull it back up. I'll read it. We have, um,
1: which one do you want to pull up? Uh, you said about five the, things. Which one? You wanted to do that one?
0: Don't judge me. <laughs> Ask the Lord how you should feel about that. Um, become a Project 24 partner. 2024. 2024 partner. As of today, we have 85 partners who have pledged over $100,000 toward this great initiative. Our pledge goal has been met. Over $12,000 has been collected. Praise and the Lord. And that's as
1: of the end of January. End
0: of January. So more I may you?
1: have come in, I'll give you an update every month.
0: But now it's your opportunity to give, right? It's your opportunity to give. And when you give, you know, I like to ask y'all to put little comments in the box because I think it helps you remember if you go back in and look at your giving. And I want you to just put in the comments, um, how, how should I feel about this? Because I wanted to remind you that we're asking God everything so we don't have to worry about anything. And we just believe God that this is going to be your best year so far. Mm-hmm. We believe that you're going further, further, faster. Stick. We believe that this is a season of re- recovery. And I was, it's an R, but I was about to say the wrong one. Recovery and rebound. I was going to say restoration, but Let's recovery recover and, and rebound. rebound. It's a season of recovery and rebound. God has not forgotten you. He wants to accelerate your life. He wants to put you where you would have been, had disappointed not derailed you. It is your season and your time. Come on and go with us where God is taking. us. And
1: God wants to show supernatural kindness to you. Supernatural you, have to, kindness. you have to know that God wants to be kind to you. He, he is. He has used his word. To set up the pathway for which we can walk in so that he can be a consistent and constant breath of kindness to us. We just gotta follow that path. Okay, last thing I wanna say if
0: you are in Northwest, if you are in Arkansas or in driving distance, I want you at the huddle on the 25th. You're more than welcome to come to me and Chris' birthday party too, but you gotta go in the group when they put the invite up and say you wanna come. And you have to wear something pink because it's a pretty and pink party. Everybody has to wear something pink. Even men, something pink. Okay. Cause it's our pretty and pink party. We love to have you come. But you absolutely ought to come to the huddle. It's gonna be off the chain. It's, it's going be to be amazing. And so we love you guys. You wanna say anything else? Relationships 101 this week?
1: Yep, relationships 101. And I, uh, it's on Tuesday. Monday night is the deadline. For everybody who says, yes, I am going to be in Northwest Arkansas for Mother's Day weekend, okay? If you can't be, that's okay. If you got, you're got going out of town to be with your mother, your kids are planning something for you or wherever you are, that's fine. Not a problem at all. But if you are planning to be here, we would like to include you on what we're going to be doing. And in order to do that, you have to tell us that you are going to be here. And so if something changes and you sit you didn't fill it out, you're here. We still gonna love on you. You just might not be included in all that happens. Okay. So please <laughs> so let us know.
0: And I just want to say that I know that Valentine's Day is a completely commercialized um holiday. Go ahead and participate anyway. <laughs> I, I, I understand that. I I, I I hear all of your resistance. Go ahead and show the people that you love, that you love them, even on this commercialized holiday. Go forth in God.
1: <laughs> Amen. Praise, Amen. God. Praise God. Participate in the commercialized holiday of manufactured love for some. Amen. But if you really love, you show love all year round. Amen.
0: And you also <laughs> show love on what day?
1: Oh, the God. fourth it on val- valentine's, valentine's Day. day.
0: I, what I'm trying to do is help you men. Don't come up here half-stepping. And don't go to Walgreens the day of and get that little janky bear with that little heart on it. Put some thought into it. Amen.
1: Amen. Go ahead, Amen. Go ahead and say goodbye. Goodbye, y'all. We love y'all. <laughs> Love y'all. Have a good day.